Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live, episode 119. Uh, I'm back in the USA again. <laughs> Slept 14 hours on Monday. Uh, I've never done that in my whole entire life. Uh, and I don't mean like on the plane. I mean, literally the day after I got back, I, I just slept 14 hours straight. Uh, my wife said it was probably closer to 15, 16 hours, but I, I thought it was 14. <laughs> So uh, I'm rested up. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> uh, it was a crazy trip. We're going to talk about it because uh, it's been the craziest week. <laughs> craziest trip, craziest week ever. A uh, lot to talk about. Hopefully you guys got a lot to talk about as well since we, I feel like we, I miss you guys. I haven't been talking to you guys so much because I've been traveling. I don't know if you guys know, but I did nine days in Germany, came back, went on another trip that I'm not, not ready to talk about that trip yet came back and went back to Germany for nine days. So uh, that was a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. And as you guys probably saw, a lot of different stuff uh, going on. So I'll start with the big announcement off the bat. If you didn't see today, there's a video. I already put a link in this video if you're curious. Uh, I was part of a group that set a world record. 1,002 musicians. We performed in front of over 20,000 people, 18 songs. Uh, we had three days to prepare and get ready for that. And, um, that was, uh, that was pretty, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer for that is. It was, it was amazing, of course, but I don't, I, I couldn't say life changing. I don't know if it's going to be life changing, but it's definitely going to be a moment in my life. That's going to be, it's going to make the top 10. That's a pretty hard list to, you know, cause you got, I got kids. There's two slots right there just for the kids. So, um, top 10 things in my life for sure. Uh, Scott T says, welcome back. Uh, missed you. All right. I missed you too, guys, man. It was great. The other thing, if you didn't know, uh, I put another link in the description. Uh, if you guys notice, I've been hinting about this. I told the patrons about this months ago, but I did some videos for Stu Mac and they posted the first one this week. I was very excited about this. It was something I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. And I wasn't even sure they were ever going to release the videos. Uh, those of you that are hanging out like Justin Mabe and Brian Stewart, who are patrons, who saw it when I leaked it. God, what was that months ago, guys? I did the videos and I gave them Stu Mac. It was up to them if they were going to post them on their website and uh, on their channel. And basically it's their idea behind that is like a guest spot, you know, right? Kind of like how, you know, Jay Leno has the Tonight Show or whoever's the Tonight Show host and they have a guest uh, spot. Um, obviously they're going to have, their, they're going to have Dan Irwin always be there because he's amazing. I mean, obviously, you know, he's, He's he's way way out of my league, uh, you know, uh, as as a, as a luthier. But it was kind of nice to be asked to do something like this. I was very excited, and they asked me to do something completely different, something I, I, they had never tried before, which is asking me to create the content on my own. So I did that uh, from my shop, and uh, it was really cool. It was like they just did this crazy thing. They sent the stuff and said, you know, we want it to be whatever you think it should be. So it was really cool. I really appreciate if you guys uh, check that out. Um, they have another video and they might post that as well. And, um, and, uh, I believe they asked me if they would, I'd be interested to do more. I'd be abs absolutely interested to do many more. Um, like I said, uh, that was definitely a big deal for me. I've been using their tools forever. If you guys know, you've been watching the channel since the very first repair video I ever did. Um, and, uh, watching those Dan Irwin videos, you know, year all over the years, uh, it was kind of surreal to see myself, you know, there. <laughs> so it was cool. Although I have to admit, it kind of felt like it was just like my channel, but it was on their channel, but still, it was still crazy to see. Uh, it was a great accolade and I'm, I'm very happy about it. So that's a, that's a twofer in a one week. 
<laughs> right? You know, hey, I, I was on a world record and I was on StuMex channel. And the third thing that was amazing was a very humbling, uh, crazy experience. Justin Mabe, who's here in the comments, by the way, I put a link to this as well. Justin did this amazing thing. I don't want to tell you what it is because I'd like you to watch the video for uh, Micah, who's the uh, Artistic Autistic a channel we've talked about on this channel many times. And it was just one of those things where uh, they reached out and told me, hey, did you know this happened? And Justin did an amazing thing. And it was just great to see like when the community comes together, you know what I mean? It does awesome things for each other. And uh, to get any credit, they, you know, they were saying, hey, it was kind of like I connected them and stuff. To get any credit uh, at all is, is, is just way more than I deserve for this. Uh, you know, Justin is a, a great person. He served his country, Air Force retired, amazing guy. And uh, he did an amazing thing. And, and uh, so I put the link already. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, it was really cool. Uh, and by the way, Justin, I would love it if you ever share with me uh, the artwork he sends you. Okay, so that those things all in one week was like kind of an emotional, amazing thing to happen, and uh, it was good. It was it felt like, it felt good for me because it felt like uh, I really needed some positive stuff around. Uh, usually, like you guys, I watch a lot of the YouTube feeds. If you guys haven't noticed, I've been really busting my my hump lately trying to put a little stuff out different. I've been traveling, trying to come up with some stuff. Some of the stuff's been wacky, funny. Some of it's just been crazy. Obviously, the Hughes and Kinder amp thing I did with my phone. That was, I was there and I was, I want to say bored, but I was definitely bored. <laughs> I was outside. There was a stuff going on and they left me with this amp and I decided to mess with it. And I made that video on a, on a whim and I had a blast. And it was really just something. I needed something to do, something exciting. I was kind of getting burnt out of if I read one more stupid thing about lawsuits with Gibson, I think I'm going to lose it. Um, I feel like the whole, I don't know, just like I want to talk about guitar. So I'm not going to talk about why I don't want to talk about that. Um, so uh, what else do we got? We got some stuff. Hold on a second. So you guys, I'm jumping screens real quick. Let me refresh that. And um, what else do we got? You guys are already piling in some comments, so I want to make sure I don't miss any. Hold on, hold on. And there's some super chats too. So I'm pinning the super chats, guys. Um, so just give me a second. Uh, like I said, the great thing about the super chats is I pin them so I don't lose them, so I can always get to them uh, while I'm looking at other uh, guitars. Adam, uh, uh, I don't know if he's talking to me. I'm going to say he could be because you guys are talking back and forth. He said, Hey, stop by Carter vintage guitars and see me next week. Uh, he might be talking to me. He might be talking to somebody else. I will be in Nashville next week. Um, it's a little bit of a business trip. In fact, I'm there for one day for business. So because I'm there for one day for business while there happens to be a NAM show going on, I've decided to stop by the NAM show. Um, so I'll be doing that most likely Thursday. I'll pop in and try to check things out. Um, Mad Tone, Mad Tone Brian, Mad Town Brian says, Phil is living the dream. Yeah, I, you're not lying, buddy. This is a weird world <laughs> that I'm in right now. Um, it, uh, it, um, you know, like I, I can honestly say if it was all, you know, this all this roller coaster ends today, that was a great ride. So um, it was fun meeting us. And you know what it is too, you know, just back to that event where we played. I must have met, met 50 of, of you guys that came up to me that knew me from the channel. And what was crazy about that was not a single 
person I met, there was no interaction like, wow, I like your channel. And this, it was really like, it was just, we were there. We, you knew me because of the videos, because you knew me, you said, hi, because you said, hi, I of course reciprocated by, you know, talking back and, and it was weird. It was just like, all of a sudden I just had all these friends, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just interacting with people. It was great. It was just a, a really cool experience because it was like, it was like basically finding a bunch of people that love guitar, something I love and talking about. Um, I feel like this is a little, uh, go, ha go happy today, but, um, you know, uh, Oh, Blimpa says, do you know what the, de the decibel level, what that show is? You know, I don't, I'm sure it was crazy because it's loud, but if you guys caught the video and if you haven't seen the video yet, you'll see in the video, we're wearing isolation headphones. And if you notice sometimes in the video, my wife picked up on it fa fast that sometimes you see me, my headphones cocked just a little bit off my ear like that. It's because you were literally isolated. You can't even hear your amp in front of you. You can't hear anything. You're just hearing the, what they're giving you in your headphones. This is not a, a mix. You're not hearing a mix of the band in your headphones. You're literally hearing a MIDI track, a simulation of the song without vocals and key parts and a click track and the conductor. He's talking to you. So he's talking in your ear the whole time. Um, so, uh, <laughs> and, um, and as you can imagine during practice, I'm gonna tell you right now, just cause it's an inside joke with us that we're all there. Uh, the, most of the time the, the guy's talking, all he's here is like, please, please, no playing in between songs, please, please be professional please <laughs> so he's just in your ear constantly telling people to knock it off because i mean you got 300 guitar players you got 300 drummers of course they're not staying quiet and uh so there's a lot of that in your ears but yeah that's what's crazy about the whole thing you're not really you're not hearing anything so i would pop off my headphone just to kind of get an experience because you kind of feel like you're having fun but you're missing out on it you know what I mean? Because you're not hearing the actual thing. Uh, Madtown Brian said, how was it meeting Dan Irwin? I didn't meet him because those videos I did, I did here, right here, uh, downstairs. And like I said, I did them a while ago. Um, I was excited. I thought that's what, when they asked me to do something, I thought maybe that's what I would go do is fly out there and meet Dan and maybe, you know, you know, kind of like do it like a dirty jobs kind of thing, you know, where that, that show dirty jobs with, um, uh, oh God, what's the host of that show? Uh, Mike Rowe, um, you know, where I'd get to interview Dan and stuff like that. But uh, no, they were just, it's it's an, it's an easy mod kit. And they thought, you know, let's try something different. It was an idea of try something different. So based, I'm sure it was inspired off the Sharp Mac stuff, you know, right? They're, they're noticing a lot of people are modding their guitars and they would like to capitalize on that. That makes sense. Uh, everybody on the planet's making kits now. So makes sense. Um, I like anytime I get to do instruction is just surreal for me. It's perfect. That's like, that's where I, I live for, um, you know, as much as I, like I said, I like these live shows cause we get to interact, but remember don't ever connect, uh, my main channel to these interactions. 75% of the people that watch my channel are not subscribers. And of that 75%, they mostly watch the instructional videos I do. And, uh, uh so you know what I mean? So that's what it, that's the crazy part. So, um, so it's it's weird although we feel community you know like a community here uh the majority of my channel is not you know it's just people are consuming it. it's cut it's getting put in their feed or maybe they're searching how to fix something and my video comes up um 
Bud wants to know, hey, you should uh, demo some in uh, some in ear click track stuff. That would be sweet. Um, yeah, I, you know, I kind of I was like I said that whole experience really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Big shout out to Steve Stein. I did it in the video. I'm doing it again. Steve is le legitly an amazing teacher. I mean, he was so dialed in from the get go um, of the experience. Now, I didn't talk about this in the video, but I'll, I'll let you know what happened. Um, there was some confusion uh, when we started this. A lot of us didn't know the set list or the songs when we got to start. We we had seen a, a generalized list of the songs because I was there for five days in Germany doing another project. And then we went to Frankfurt for three days for that pro for that show, for that project. So um, we were learning the songs. So I, a lot of us, including myself, had to learn all 18 songs starting on Friday. I mean, I had a little bit of a couple days ago, it's, you know, your hotel room, you kind of will start to work through them. But really, from Friday till Sunday, I had to learn all those songs. And Steve Stein, man, that guy's a master at just, uh, you know, he he was really on it with some uh, great ideas, some some great stuff. Maybe I'll share that with you. But I really would rather if I share that with you, maybe see if he'd be interested in explaining it. So um, cause I don't want to like say it. Cause if I say it, it'll sound like I came up with the idea and I didn't, it was definitely, I was using his idea. Um, uh, Jonathan says, Hey Phil, I'm thinking about going to a tech to install my Fisherman Fluence pickups on my Chapman ghost, uh, pro. Should I go to a guitar center or Sam Ash? Um, you know, the sad thing is I, I like Sam Ash, uh, cause I like Sammy Ash and Richard Ash. They've always been nice to me. Uh, but um, I don't know every tech personally at the Sam Ash. The Sam Ash where I live in Glendale's Phil, the guy's name Phil, <laughs> like me. And Phil's a great guy, smart on it. And uh, I would recommend him. If you're in a different city or state, I, I don't know. Um, Guitar Center, although I've met some great techs, in including I just recently met a, a cool guy at one of my local guitar centers. Very cool tech. Um, I wouldn't say he was, you know, he's masterfully trained at this point, but he's definitely competent and very nice. But uh, I just don't know. If I was going to go off of just my gut instinct, I would refer you to a Sam Ash over a Guitar Center. But to be honest with you, keep in mind, chain stores don't have the best. They just don't have the best uh, uh, draw when it comes to drawing the talent. Okay. So what I'm saying about that is even though there can be great people there, and I think they're all passionate. And that's why I really hate saying anything like, you know, don't go to the, one of these guys because I'm sure they're passionate. But being passionate doesn't mean they're they're going to do great work. So you got to understand you're going to probably be better off going to your local shops for good, for good repair guys. Uh, so that's what I would recommend first. I understand some of you guys live in places where there isn't that option anymore and guitar center and Sam Ash is all you have, but, uh, I would, I would check, I would check for a more, like I said, substantiated repair guy before I would go to your chain stores again, because like I said, they're just a uh, most chain. You got to understand most of the good techs that work at these chain stores, once they're really good, they quit. They're going to start it on their own. I mean, that's what they're doing. So, uh, that's not a hard thing to install by the way. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be too weirded out by it, but if you put in the comments, I'm sorry, real quick, um, let's go back to you. Uh, Jonathan, if you put in the comments what city and state you live in, maybe somebody watching the show could put a good suggestion of a good place to go. So there you go. The other thing you can do is, it's, sometimes it's iffy on this, man. You can reach out to Fishman. You can call them and ask if they have a recommended ser service center or certain center for repair. Um, but keep in mind, sometimes they just go off a list of any dealers they have and they don't really vet anything. But um, 
but it's always you'll get a sense that when you call them you, you'll know a difference between yeah yeah it's a great place go there and no oh, it looks like uh this is on our list you know what i mean just go with the tonality if the tone is uh not right keep walking <laughs> so there you go um uh, Rob S says, Hey, I'm glad I'm catching you live. I appreciate it. There's Agafish. fish. Hey, what's up, Agafish? fish? I know I'm saying it right. So I'll just say Hunter. <laughs> the Ag Aggie fish. Uh, anyways, um, let's see what else. Um, uh, what, uh, let's see. It's jumping around real quick. Hold on. And I have some pen questions. So let me get those. Cause I saw they were actual, like tech types questions. Um, it says uh, from AJ Cavillo says, what would you use for gigging a gigging rig under a thousand dollars? I mean, that's tough, uh, but uh, you know, cause you're not saying what kind of gig, you know what I mean? Are you a metal guy? Are you a blues guy? Are you a rock guy? I, I always recommend used gear. Used gear is always a better purchase than new gear. Um, you know, I'm sure I could say like, get yourself a Harley Benton and a blah, blah, blah. But I'm just going to always tell you guys what I would do in that situation. If I had a thousand bucks right now and no gear, I would be out on a hunt for me personally, looking for a Mexican Strat used and a Hot Rod Deluxe used and an overdrive pedal. Um, and I'm, you know what I mean? Cause I know I can fetch, uh, and that'd be on the, you know, you figure I probably can fetch the Mexican Strat for about 350 to 400 is the, on the high end of that for used. And the same with the Hot Rod Deluxe, I think I can fetch it for about five, 550 used. And I think these pretty safe prices, I, of course, if you're not in the US, your price is gonna be different. And then a pedal hundred bucks, that's the rig I would go with. Um, it's pretty true blue and, 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 and good to go for a thousand bucks. But if you're a metal dude, that's probably not the way to go. <laughs> so you might want to go a different way. Yeah. GG and stuff said, don't say Harley Benton. Yeah. My, my thing is the Harley Harley Benton's I've played have been great, but I don't know if I'd recommend, I don't recommend any inexpensive guitars over used gear. I always recommend used gear first. The best, you know what I mean? Um, I understand. I think when I think of inexpensive gear like Harley Benton and stuff as a purchase, I think of it in the absence of the option of used gear. That's what you buy. You know what I mean? Because you can get cool stuff. Um. <laughs> okay, hold on. All right, we got another question. Uh, the other one is from andy lord says hey phil i have a 2015 les paul with robo tuners are there any replacements normal tuners that i need uh me to drill uh the headstock and locate pins um you can do uh ratio graph tech ratio tuners you can also get hip shot tuners with the ump plate and you would not have to do any drilling uh keep in mind though the thing about that's nice about those robo tuners is that you should be able to take them off Add in the Grover tuners if you want to go Grover or Cluson, but I would go Grover because you, you're going to need a 10 millimeter and not the eight millimeter holes because you have 10 millimeter holes for your robo tuners. I would get Grover tuners like locking keys, put them on. You're going to have to drill six holes, but the cool thing about that is you're going to leave those tuners on there for life. If you decide to sell that guitar, you would then remove them and put the robo tuners on. And uh, that will hide those holes when you put the ro robot tuners on. And so it's not going to be an eyesore for anyone. And my guess, and again, I'm just guessing, my guess would be um, that whoever buys it, if they're going to buy it, they're going to yank the robot tuners off anyways. It doesn't seem to be things that stick with it. I, there's a few people who love them. Uh, my buddy Mike loves his robot tuners. People love them. 
<laughs> but most of us don't. So I would do that. That's what I did. I had a Robo Tuner Les Paul uh, that I bought dirt cheap. Uh, I mean, I got I scored the deal of a century on it, and I put Grover tuners on it, and um, uh, it's yeah, I've never gone back. Uh, BK says expecting our first child in a few weeks. Should I buy her a guitar? Uh, do you pressure children towards music? Uh, first answer is no. If you're going to have a child uh, that's being born, don't buy them a guitar because, I mean, it's going to be a while before. I mean, you know, they got to learn to crawl, then to walk. I mean, the guitar is just, it's going to be for you. If you want to buy a little guitar for your kid, that's that's you. Here's what I recommend. Start with the ukulele. Ukulele. Get an ukulele first. Uh, you know, you said, uh, you said, I thought it said she, right? Her. Yeah. Buy her her first guitar. Buy her a ukulele. It's going to be years before she can use it, too. But you know what? Something that you can get them. They can just strum it. They can play music. A little keyboard is nice. Don't be afraid to. Don't be afraid. If you're a guitar player, don't feel like you have to show guitar to someone to get them into music. Show them instruments and show the music. But uh, so to answer your last question is, do you press your children towards music? Yes and no. I didn't press. I didn't push my children towards instruments, but I definitely pressed my children towards music. Both my children are not into playing an instrument. My daughter learned a little piano. My son learned bass because I asked them to, uh, you know, try it. They they tried it uh, for a summer or whatever, and they didn't like it. And they've moved on to other things. This is right when they hit their early teens, kind of thing. And um, but music, share music. You know what I mean. M fill the world with more music lovers and music lovers turn sometimes turn into musicians. So start them there. That's what I recommend. Cause if they don't play an instrument, at least they'll have your joy of music. And it's nice. It's to this day. What's nice is my kids into my son's into video games. My daughter's into, uh, uh, what do you call it? Plays. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, you know, like plays where they sing. I don't know. What's wrong with me? Uh, but she's into that stuff. And I find music is always the common ground with, with my kids. We can always talk about music, which is great because they like bands that I like and vice versa because, you know, we shared music. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Bruce wants to know, favorite Les Paul year for the price? I don't have a favorite year. Oh, no. <laughs> I do. I do. Ooh. Uh, but not for the price. I don't know what it is. I like 2005, six and seven Les Pauls for the neck cars. They're rounded, more C shape. Every time I pick one of those up, I love them. It's something about that neck carve. It's not the fifties fat neck feel. It's not the sixties thin. It's the C shape. That's really great. Of course, some players are not going to like them. It's very un Les Paul feeling. Um, there might be other years that those this is Les Paul standards that I'm talking to, by the way, so Les Paul standards in those years, five, six, and seven, man, every time I, I see a 2005, six, seven, Les Paul standard, I pick it up and it's always that same neck. It's something I did for a few years. Now there might be, like I said, a, a year after before that I haven't caught, but it seems to be very focused on those years. Um, I don't know about for the price, but that's the one I like. Uh, Les Pauls are, that's the great thing about Les Pauls and vendors. They're expensive. They've got great resale value, but there's so many of them. There's always a, there's always one in the rough waiting for you to find it. You know what I mean? You always find a nice deal. Puts it in your budget, so to speak. Uh, you didn't ask this question, but somebody asked me this question, uh, an email. I was answering questions in Germany. I was answering a lot of them. And one of them was, you know, how important is it to get a deal on everything? They said that they noticed that guitar players are constantly talking about the deal. 
And I, so I, I thought it was a good way to point that out since that's something we're talking about. It's not the deal. It's the affordability factor. Sometimes without the deal, you can't afford it. It's not in the budget. So you can find it in the budget. Plus, because it's not a need, it's a want. Sometimes a little bit of that money off helps justify your silly idea that you should buy this stupid thing that you don't need. Right. Um, everybody always asks me, how many guitars you need? None. You need none. <laughs> if the world goes to crap tomorrow, trust me, you won't be grabbing your guitars when you're running on your house. You know what I mean? That's not the thing that's going to be a need. Um, so it's a want, it's all wants. And you know, and, uh, the longer you do it, the more guitars you have generally speaking. <laughs> so, okay. So Sonic boom says, do you like Adidas? It's just, it, it's a German company. I didn't know it was a German company. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say it. Uh, I like this hat. <laughs> I'm wearing like a Fender shirt today. I tend to wear black hats with white logos and black shirts with white logos most of the time. Uh, I, you know what I do? I put almost no thought into what the logos are other than Vans. I wear a lot of the Vans stuff. Um, and I wear a lot of van stuff because uh, I like it. <laughs> I like the shoes, so I think, oh, I must buy the shirts and the hats. But essentially, I don't. I don't really care. It's the it's the look. Um. Ah, Ian says I would totally. He would totally grab a guitar for the apocalypse. Well, that's a good. That's good. <laughs> Still not going to be my thing to grab. <laughs> I think I'd grab like. Uh, you know, potable water, uh, you know, you know, you name it, grab all kinds of stuff. Um, Melissa. Hey, Melissa, she wants to know, have I ever turned a guitar into an art guitar, you know, refinish it just to hang it on the wall? Um, I have not. My wife has, she, uh, obviously having the store for 12 years, anytime the guitars were just beyond, you know, salvage, my wife would turn them into fun art projects, uh, for her and my daughter and they would hang them on the walls. So yeah, they would do that kind of stuff. Uh, my main thing is I, I don't do a whole lot of art. My wife does is artistic and she does a lot of art. Uh, my front room is all full of the girls. They do all this art stuff. And so, um, so it's not that I, it's just, I don't do art. So, um, and so, you know, my wife asked me to do some painting and art and, and learn some stuff. And this is a true story. I obliged her and I did a bunch of guitar art. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she never said anything this day. I could be totally just uh, kind of reading this in the moment, but I kind of got the feeling like uh, the whole purpose was to get me to stop thinking about guitars and I painted guitars. So I think it kind of, she looked, she seemed like this is just not going to work. <laughs> so uh, Jonathan says, Hey, Jonathan Cap Caprio, Caprio says Carpio. Uh, I'm going to say Jonathan says, Hey, Phil, I'm thinking about going to, Oh, I already read this one. Sorry, buddy. Gotta go to the next one. Bruce wants to know what's my, nope, I already did that one. And Justin Stokes, uh, this one. Okay, Justin says, do string trees affect intonation adjustment, especially for bass? Seems like it would shorten the string. Um, I've never noticed where a string tree could adjust the intonation. It's such a weird question that I always get nervous on the questions where they're Definitely could be a situation where somebody out there is going to say, yes, I've not, ex I, I've not, uh, experienced it. 
So no, there's nothing, especially in the idea of I've never noticed that a string tree having it or not having it made it more difficult to intonate or not intonate a guitar. Um, so, uh, you know, there you go. It could, the reason why I'm kind of saying it like this is because it could be possible that without the string tree, without that down pressure on the nut, when playing, maybe you could be pulling it out of intonate, you know, the intonation could be going out because you're pulling it sharp or flat. But I think at that point, it's just, yeah. See, Joe says string trees are past the nut, so it doesn't matter. The problem though, Joe, is check this out. This is an interesting idea about this. I believe, like most guitar players, that anything that passes the nut, in other words, on the, uh, the, the side of the nut that's not over the fretboard, anything goes past the bridge saddles is not in the kind of, it doesn't affect it. However, what does affect everything is when you're bending strings, right? Um, and, and so what I mean by that is uh, that when you're bending strings, you're pulling tension, things that do pass the nuts will be moving and therefore they can affect. Does it make sense? Um, when you go to factories and you watch companies and how they construct guitars, there's a lot of theory behind that. And um, I always keep my own, my, my mind open to a lot of things, even though I haven't heard me physically, I haven't heard some of the things that they've been telling me or see it. Um, I always keep my mind open um, because there's a lot of things that I believe now that I didn't believe 10 years ago or 20 years ago that through education of it, now I realize are true. So always kind of keep an open mind. But yeah, I, I feel like most everything that passes the nut isn't going to be a huge factor for intonation and stuff. Um, but always like to hear when somebody out there says, says something different. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, so, uh, I don't know. There's too many letters in your thing. It says, look at fret wraps. Okay. So I'll suggest that. Shit. Let's see. Uh, Jordan Y says thoughts on the Harley Benton bass. I have it in the other room. I have not completed the review of the Harley Benton bass. As you guys know, I asked Harley Benton for, I think I did two electrics, an acoustic, a bass and the cabinet to review, uh, cause you guys kept mentioning Harley Benton for like two years. <laughs> Somebody asked me at the event, how come all YouTubers review Harley Benton? And I said, are you kidding? No reviewers are reviewing Harley Benton. It's how come every viewer will watch nothing but Harley Benton videos. That's what it is for me. I said, I told him this. I just said that, look, I said, I waited like a year and a half before I did my Harley Benton video. And of course the two Harley Benton videos I did were two of the highest watched videos I did in a year. And I, and, and, I sat there and go, what is wrong with me? Why didn't I just review Harley Benton? Obviously you guys want to watch that stuff. So, um, and it's cool cause I got to try something new. Um, but anyway, so, uh, the, I did the acoustic, I did the cabinet, the bass will be next. And then the electric guitar, uh, one of the Harley Bentons they shipped me, was damaged in shipping. So I haven't got it replaced yet. Uh, I've been so busy. I haven't even, I don't, I'm not even sure if I told Benedict, which is at Harley Benton. I mean, I might have emailed him and told him it was damaged. I can't remember. It's been a wacky. I told you guys a couple weeks ago that I have a lot of stuff is going to be coming out. You can see how many projects I was on. Uh, so, uh, Ben Combe says, I've never played a Harley Benton guitar. Well, Ben, you're on YouTube. I think it's mandatory. <laughs> it's like eh, the, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Um, I was even talking to the Harley Benton guys when I was at Tolman and they were saying that basically they're very aware of the fact that it, whoever reviews their stuff, it's going to get tons of views. So it's a, it's a, it's a view grabber, I guess. Um, what I can tell you is everything I've played Harley Benton has been very good. 
You know what I mean? Very good stuff. It's really hard to to uh, grade it because it's so inexpensive. So like no matter what you come up with, even if you go, it's a C plus, it's so cheap that the C plus feels like a B plus. Does that make sense? One, that's one thing I think I'm very aware of with the Harley Benton stuff. I feel like no matter how good it is, it appears better because it's so inexpensive. Um, Okay, wait, hold on. There was one something about William Wiggins pickups, but I didn't catch the comment. Um, hold on. Just want to make sure I'm not leaving anything out. Rick D just did a super chat for no reason. So did one, two, three. Jim Thomas just said thanks. You're welcome, buddy. Grumpy Mike says, "Hey, Philip, the vids from Germany were great. Thanks. You know, uh, it was it's scary doing this stuff. Yeah, you know, the internet is such a lovely." cuddly place <laughs> whenever you do something different <laughs> so uh you know when i'm at i, I did the uh, i did the who's harley bitten video i'm just gonna let you know now what happened was when i went to tgu <laughs> i like telling the story now when i went to tgu i already knew what videos i was gonna do i already was told who was gonna be there i already planned to do the what uh squire what a master builder uh did i already talked to fender nast if ron thorne would do the video i already talked to rick and see uh, that was one of you guys somebody asked me hey can you make a hot rod deluxe sound good and i said i, I don't know why don't I ask the guy who designed it and so i did those videos which obviously did really well and so i did a couple of videos at tgu in the first two days on the third day i was kind of i've done I did the videos I wanted to do. They didn't require you to do any videos. When you go to these events, they just kind of like drink our beer and our sodas and do whatever you want. And so I already kind of did what I want. So the who is Harley Benton video is literally, that's what happens when you're pent up and bored for like two days. <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. So I made this goofy video and then I, felt weird if I didn't share it. Um, so yeah, so, but it, it went over well. It was good. It's good. It's, it's fun to make interesting new content, even though, you get pummeled for it a little bit, but I actually kind of like that because I find sometimes I find the more I get pummeled, the more it means I'm kind of pushing the limits and not staying in the, you know, formulated box of boring stuff. I mean, who wants to do that? I, I obviously I don't want to do that. Hopefully not everybody wants to watch it all the time. Uh, okay. Um, Gary Tuner's got a weird question. Uh, it says, hey, Phil, just got a, a Lefty Squire Jazzmaster. It's a beautiful guitar. I have no plans to sell it, but as, but in, but as the long term, will it hold value or, or increase over the years? Talking 15 to 20 years. Um, well, guitars generally, especially uh, guitars that are continually made, do tend to hold value, not go up in value, but hold value or hold a good percentage of the value because of inflation. So a perfect example that would be like your Squire Jazzmaster. Let's say you paid $400 for it today in 10 or let's say 15 years, that's your number, 15 years, do I think it's gonna be worth more than what you paid? No, but believe it or not, by in 15 years, it is possible that with inflation used, it's now going for what they are new when you bought it so you could sell it for what you paid for it it's happened many many times uh so there you go uh generally speaking though um my guess if i was shooting off the hip is that in 15 years you're a lefty squire jazz master if you paid if you paid full boat 
you know, street price for it today. Well, my guess is that it's probably not worth what you paid for it, but close. You're going to get like 90% of that money back uh, what you paid for it. But keep in mind, you got to enjoy it for all those years. And that's really good because very few things will hold that much value. But I could be wrong because uh, something has to happen. You know what I mean? Uh, like how the old squires that were made in Korea and Japan have held a lot of value um, because, you know, they moved to Indonesia and, and China and stuff like that. There's all these factors that go in, but um, let me just put it this way. If you're going to use a guitar and play a guitar, I don't think in most cases a guitar is a bad investment. So investment not to make money, just enjoy your life a little bit with it and get most of your money back is a very, very nice thing that we get to enjoy. Not a lot of people get to enjoy that with their hobbies. You know what I mean? Um, building a computer from scratch... <laughs> <laughs> 10 years later and trying to get anything for it is is almost impossible so uh it's uh so it's nice that's a nice uh, nice feature um how are we doing on time well we're doing great okay what else do we got going on you guys got a lot of questions i'm just hopping around looking at them real quick hold on <laughs> Mark says, Phil, you and Polly brothers. I'm, I'm thinking he's talking about hitting Polly. Well, we have the same haircut. <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, I guess Henning's, uh, is, is a blast. So, you know, uh, I, he, if you, if you ever want to make sure that you're not going to, if you're going to be somewhere and not be bored, Henning does not allow boredom to take place. So, um, <laughs> there is no mundane and, and, uh, and boring with Henning around, which was great. It really, especially those days, we were there very long days and no one asked, but I'll, I'll tell you real quick as I'm in between questions. Um, while I was in Germany, besides doing the, the, the rock and 1000 event, I was there. I spent four days with Hughes and Kettner, which is why you saw, I did a Hughes and Kettner video out in the field. Um, but that's not what I was there for. Somebody was like, somebody was like, uh, that, the, the amp I did that video with was not what I was there for. I was there for a new product that comes out in September and Hughes and Kettner here, here's, I, I, I want to talk about this cause I think this is kind of cool. There's a couple companies, Hughes and Kittner's one for sure. Ibanez is another. I'm trying to think of who else right now. I kind of feel horrible if I don't mention some of the companies that are doing this. There seems to be a bunch of companies that got real hip real fast that Gibson's kind of screwing things up. And they're like, okay, what can we do that's the opposite of that? In other words, you know, what do we do? How do we, because here's what I mean by that. I don't mean get with YouTubers and do promotional YouTubing events. What, they, what I mean was they looked at the, obviously the Gibson guys misunderstood the audience. Okay. Obviously, right. We're not going to talk about the Gibson thing. We're just going to talk about the fact that whatever they did, regardless of how you feel about it, they must've thought when they did it, it was going to connect with the, their core audience, their community. And it didn't. So a bunch of companies all of a sudden was like, wow, are we in tune with our communities? You know what I mean? And so they reached out because here's what's great. They kind of looked at the YouTubers as a lack of a better term as community leaders. Some of these people have communities. We hang out every Friday. Obviously, I'm the one starting the, the event with this with with the, the, the live show. We're interacting. So they kind of as a community leader said, hey, what can you tell us about the communities and you know are we you know what should we do and how should we interact with them and what could we do better and what are we doing that's wrong and it was really interesting so one of the things they did was they are rolling out some stuff in september and they want to know what we thought about it um now if, 
unfortunately, they also were smart enough to give us NDAs. If you don't know what that means, that's a non-disclosure agreement. It says we can't tell anybody and everything we filmed can't be released because obviously uh, everything we were filming and talk about doesn't even exist yet. So obviously they don't want it out because it might not even come out. And if it does, they want to make sure they control when it comes out. Um, but we'll be talking about that soon. I just thought it was cool. I just thought that was a cool approach. Um, ump three something, man, I'm sorry. I'm there. <laughs> It's a lot of letters. Said Rift City is closing. I saw that. Um, somebody said, "What happened to Rift City?" Rift City, um, Rift City decided to close. Um, my understanding. Oh, I hate this because this is not a direct. Usually, when I'm trying to talk about things that are happening, it's some kind of direct thing I heard from the horse's mouth, as you say. Uh, this is more hearsay in the community I'm in. Uh, is that basically it was just it wasn't doing as well as they hoped. It wasn't doing bad. That's what I was told. It wasn't doing bad. It wasn't like they couldn't continue to go on. It was just more of a like, a, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Um, I have noticed, I, I'll talk about what I do know um, or what I can speak about. I have noticed a lot of people in other industries, uh, retail type industries, other industries, they transplant into the musical industry, industry because they're trying to connect two things they like doing. Obviously, making a living <laughs> and music, right? So if they were making a living, you know, selling pool equipment and they're like, Hey, why not, you know, be in the music business? Cause that way I can make a living and be around music equipment. They start realizing that we're a different breed of consumer. We're really hard to deal with, uh, cause we really have high expectations. Uh, who would have thought we usually want to pay almost nothing for product. We're very difficult. And you can say that about any consumer, but musicians are definitely in the top 10 of crappiest consumers on the planet just because of the way we think we really really have high standards and i think we that's the way it should work all the way around which is probably going to make a lot of people crazy but um and i think when they get in this industry they they realize like maybe this isn't the right fit so that's what i got was it was a not right fit thing i'm sorry to see it happen sucks um mostly because i, I read their statement that there's a lot of other choices a lot of competition on the internet and they feel like they didn't want to fight with it anymore that's sad to hear that they're going, uh, but it's also sad for consumers because remember, we want as many choices as possible. That's what's giving us all the power, having as many places to buy from. <laughs> so as those places we buy from dwindle down, it's going to get a little bit more difficult to not only get a deal, but that's not really the key part of that, to get the service that we want, to get the the choices we want. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot easier uh, to to kind of dictate choices and service to us. I don't think we're near that point yet, but it's it's what will come if this continues to happen. Uh, Matt Will says, hey, Phil, I have a 1981 Greco Strat copy. Thinking about sanding the lacquer off the neck. What sandpaper grits do you recommend and what should I treat the neck with after? Well, um, I'm going to assume, again, we have to assume some stuff because I know it's tough when you're making a question. You can't put all the details in there that we're talking about a maple neck. If that's what you really need to determine first, more than anything is what that neck is made of, especially since you're talking about a finish. You said a finish, right? You didn't say sanding the lacquer off. I don't know if you mean a clear lacquer. So you know what kind of wood it is or if it's painted, you could have a mahogany neck. In that case, it's going to be a much different scenario than if you have a maple neck. Um, let's go with two easy ones. If you have a maple neck, sand it off, just keep in mind that if you use something like 350, that will take a lot of finish off, but it's, it's a work issue. The, the lower, the lower number of grit paper you use, the more material you're going to take off, but the more you're going to be reshaping that neck and taking and thinning the neck down. So, um, 
what I like to do is test it. 350 is really not a lot of grit, and uh, that'll that'll try it. Maybe maybe 250. See if that what that does. Um, if you notice your gate, your, if you notice when you scrape across it, that's what you really want to do with sandpaper. The grit is actually not important. When you're sanding the the, the lacquer and or the the paint, whatever's on there, when you're sanding that. You want to make sure when your first kind of couple stands, you're not going right to the wood, right? Because that's not going to be a good sign. You want to kind of do it in layers and smoothly go down. That's the way I like to do it. It takes a little bit more work this way, but I'm always afraid to misshape the neck or also thin the neck or change the way the neck feels. So that's the way I would do that. Um, then when I continue to sand, I will continue to go up um, to, you know, I don't even remember. I, you know, it's tough, tough when I'm not looking at my sands. My sand, I've gotten so lazy over the years. I have a a, a, a tray in my shop of all the sandpapers in order. But um, what I will tell you is if it's uh, if it's maple, um, I don't use anything. I just kind of, you can use gunstock oil if you'd like on that, but I don't really use anything. If it's mahogany, you're definitely going to want to treat it with something. So this is a good, this is a good idea. This is a good question um, because... This is such a common question that comes up and maybe we definitely, this is definitely where the point where maybe we need to do a video about this because I'm a little weirded out telling you verbally how to do this because there's some tail signs that I want you to watch for so you don't mess this up. The other thing you want to pay attention to is again, is not thinning down the neck too thin because you don't know how, especially on those guitars where they set that truss rod. And if they set it too far back towards the back of the neck, when you're thinning down the center of the back of the neck, you can actually cause issues with cracking their stuff. So, but that's a good starting point and some good, just some good reference things to pay attention to. Uh, what else do we have going on out there? You guys have a lot to talk about. That was the other thing too. Uh, I didn't catch was the issue. Hold on. Let me go back since we're not off the subject yet is was the issue you want to sand it because of the way it feels. Is that what's going on? I'm thinking about sanding this because if you watch the, uh, the video I did with Ron Thorne, his suggestion of using Meguiar's, um, Carnuba wax to, to get the next shiny. I tried it. It works great. Uh, it's cheap and easy. I would try that first. You never know. If you don't like it, you're just going to sand it off anyways. $8 for some Carnuba wax. Just get, like you said, make sure you don't buy any of the ones that say cleaner on there because they have the pumice in it. So try that as well. Uh, SG Flying V says using an ED8 4CM into a 5153. How to gate, how to gate gain noise. Um, well, I would use the noise gate in the effects loop. That's about as simple as I would do it. And then I, if you're going to use a high gain amp like that and you're having a lot of noise, definitely want to run your noise gate through the effects loop, in my opinion. And I, then what I try to do is I personally try to set, because I like feedback. I like kind of having control of the sound. I try to set the noise gate just kind of to where the, just right where it barely needs to be. I want it to kind of just, you know, let me have as much control as possible, but definitely run it through the effects loop. Okay, Bud's got a question. It says, Phil, do you know what the difference between a floor model and just a guitar that's in the store? Uh, is that just a way to mark them down easier? Um, well, that's a tricky thing. Floor model in, in terms of retail, you know, as we know, you know, it'd be like let's say we go to Target, they would say this is the floor model or store would say like Home Depot would say this is the floor model, implying that it's not out of the box and it's been there for display for some kind of use. However, when we walk into guitar stores, almost all the guitars are displaying for some kind of use. So we don't use the term floor model. Um, 
generally i've noticed that when you use the term floor model in our world of musical instrument retail you're really talking about boxed items like effects processors pedals amps and so on i've never heard a guitar referred to as a floor model sometimes they'll say it's floor demoed it's a weird thing uh because it is funny uh and it usually also implies how long so that's that's a general idea of that so um basically when a store, because I've used, it, I've seen what you're talking about. The store will say this is a gently used, displayed guitar or floor model. They're implying not that it's been out for to be touched; it's been out for a long period of time. Because that's usually what it is. All the guitars are out for to be touched and played. However, at some point, the retailer deems it that it's maybe been demoed too many times. I mean, you know, you, you know, you can't, you can't demo a guitar. You can't have 500 people play a guitar for 25 hours and then still say it's brand new. Although some retailers try to say that. So, um, uh, somebody, yes, I just caught Ben. Thank you. Ben Combs was mentioning or answering a question. It was perfect. Yes. Yeah, somebody asked me if I was going to the, uh, NAM show and uh, yeah, I will be at the NAM show for one day at the summer NAM show. Uh, Damon, uh, Daughtry says, Phil, thoughts on PRS spaces. I'm not a fan of them. You know, um, it's kind of like it took me a while to love the John Mayer because the fact like I did the review. If you saw the review, it's like I, I love PRS guitars and I like John Mayer and I like Strat. So it was like kind of the mix. The bass uses the same logic. I like PRS's quality. I'm a bass player. It just seemed like a perfect thing. I, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I've never, never, I've never picked up a PRS bass that I just wanted. So, um, the thing with the PRS bases, especially the SEs for me is they're, they're good because they feel like, and the ones I played were all made in Korea. They feel like Schecter's. I like Schecter's. The problem was I just kind of felt like I'd rather just buy a Schecter. So that's my preference. So if you, if you want a PRS space, I can tell you from my experience of quality, I think, you know, you're going to find there, there's nothing I saw that was issued, but as a personal question, you know, what's my personal thoughts? I would buy an Ibanez or a Schecter before I'd buy a PRS base. Maybe an LTD2 base as well. Just, I don't know. I just like them better. So not every, not everything a company makes can be something you want. Um, Gunky Zip. Hey, Gunky Zip says, Asian guy is planning to get a Sterling GAP from Reverb. Okay. Uh, will he have issues shipping it because of CITES? Thanks for any info. Rock on. Um, well, yes, whoever he's buying it from, if it's crossing, if it's going from one country to another and it has rosewood in it, okay, it does need CITES paperwork. That is, that's not even a question. It has to be done. You can physically transport the guitar, you personally, like on an airplane, and you don't need any paperwork. You get up to 30 pounds of rosewood to trans, uh, to, to uh, go, go with you. In fact, I just came back from Germany with that Ibanez right there. And oh, I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> that guitar right there it's rosewood right yeah no it's not rosewood that's a baked maple neck i don't know what i'm talking about there's no rosewood on the guitar so it didn't apply but uh they didn't ask me either so uh, yeah you don't need but shipping yeah you'll need side paperwork my guess is that if you're buying it on reverb i'm hoping whoever's uh, shipping it to you is going to have the paperwork um i can't unfortunately i can't speak about all the unknowns you know what happens if they don't what happens if you know no one knows you know, that stuff i don't i don't talk about but um what i can tell you is you do need legally you have to have side paperwork if it's going to go from one country to another uh paul uh hey paul what's up paul i strike just did a two dollar super chat for no reason that's awesome 
Thank you, buddy. Um, oh, Jonathan uh, wants to know, hey, Phil, have you ever played a Gibson RD? Um, yeah, I did a setup on a buddy of mine. His name's Sean. And uh, I, oh, man, it's funny. I was going to say like two years ago. It's probably like seven years ago, maybe five, I think, five years ago. And uh, I really liked it. It wasn't the shape I would play, but man, he loved it. And I I, I was blown away with the way it sound sounded and, and played. I just, you know. I'm, I'm more, I'm a strat shape guy. You know what I mean? Les Pauls are about as weird as I get in shapes. So the RD was just a little, you know, out there for me. I want to like all those shapes. I think if I actually played out or played in front of people, I would, I would have some kind of appeal that way to have something besides what's comfortable. I will say this, the RD of all the shapes, I thought the RD was one of the most comfortable, uh, non, you know, non typical shape. Oh, okay. Uh, Raymond says, Hey, Phil, I'm thinking about assembling a Warmoth J base. Any experience with their necks and bodies? Yeah, I love Warmoth stuff. I just bought a pick guard from them. It's on its way or should be on its way soon. I like Warmoth. I love their quality. Um, but here's what I will tell you. Make sure if you're going to buy from Warmoth, make sure that you take the time to, to research not them, but research what you want. You understand that they are custom from the ground up. So they're going to want to know what radius you want. They're going to know, you know, what fret wire. Be versed. A lot of times what happens is, especially if you call in or if you just go online one night and you start doing it, I think a lot of players make this huge mistake with them. They they go, yeah, I want 12-inch radius. So they go 12-inch radius. And then they go, okay, I want maple. And that's easy. And then they go, okay, what fret wire? And you're like, oh, 6101 and just, you know, 65, 6105, whatever it is. Do your research because then you get it and it's not right and they don't take stuff back because they made it for you. Um, so make sure it's right. Um, my experience with Warmoth is that, and I'm just telling you this because it was 15 years ago for me, but it was 15 years ago I ordered a guitar from them or parts to build a guitar and I did that exact thing that I'm talking about. I, I just didn't think about every little aspect and I thought, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. And believe it or not, it was a part, it was a couple things that just bugged me. So I ended up ordering another neck from them. And that neck was right, but it was like $400 or $500 a neck, $400 neck back then. So it ended up costing me $800, you know, and the reason, and the reason is, is because I bought the second neck and no one will buy the second, the, the neck you don't want, you know, or moth parts. So just take your time with it. Top quality parts. You can build, you can build anything from Warmoth. You can build. And it will be equal to any high-end guitar company out there. Keep in mind, Warmoth was making parts for all kinds of companies back in the day. They make great stuff. I haven't seen very many issues with them. And when I say very many, I've never seen an issue. But, of course, you always hear from somebody else they had an issue. That stuff is always the exception, not the rule. Good stuff. But it's not cheap anymore. So you can't afford to make mistakes with it. Make sure you take the time. Uh, David Hunter says, thanks for the entertainment. You're welcome, buddy. Uh, here's a few bucks because I don't do Patreon and their political nonsense. Yeah, Patreon kind of sucks. <laughs> you know what I hate? They're constantly changing the stuff, the screens for me, so I can't interact with patrons as much as I want to in the way that I want to. But I, I, I'm learning it. And uh, But yeah, I appreciate it, man. That's that's just awesome. Um, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, especially now because I just came back from two trips to Germany and that stuff starts adding up after a while. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just thinking about that. Oh, yeah, especially when the American dollar is a little weak to the euro, you start really feeling it when you're 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 changing. You give them your money and they give you a little bit back, and you're like, "This is not as much as I gave you." <laughs> so, uh, 
uh, uh, positive autism. Hey guys, what's up? It's, it's Mika's, uh, Micah's dad. And he says, uh, we got a custom warm moth uh, roasted maple neck for a telly and it is the best neck ever. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's again, my experience, experience with warm moth is cool. Like I said, I just, I just had a, a custom make me a pit guard. Um, and, and I have a friend in town that makes pit guards who obviously we do custom stuff when we're doing stuff, but, uh, they do it great. And, um, believe it or not, they did it for about six dollars with shipping more than we can actually make it and it's something i don't have to think about and i can travel so uh so i did had him do it for guitar um grumpy mike says what do you think about seymour duncan pearly gates pickups um i like them they're uh, i have a set of pearly gates pickups in my framus guitar and uh i like i always think of it i like them because i like the lower output pickups i like the seth lovers more than the pearly gates but i like the pearly gates a lot so I would say in Seymour Duncan world and it, life always changes, you know, right. Your ears always change. Things always change. But Seymour Duncan world, it's, it's been really for me, 59s, Seth lovers and pearly gates. Um, and, uh, you know, lower, I've been in low output mode since about 2017. Whenever I went to the first GitCon and I bought, um, Pete Thorne, Thorn, Thornbruckers that are low output. That kind of just set it for me. And, I've been using low output pickups ever since. Okay. Oh, Peter wants to know, Phil, any experience making custom fretboard inlays? No, at the level I do repairs and stuff, all the fretboard inlays I've ever done have been templated. You know what I mean? Templated? Yeah. <laughs> Say that twice as fast. Um, so I do dots, I do ovals, and I've done some of the basic template stuff. Um, I stick to mostly repair and not custom build. That's another question that comes up too. You know, do you ever do custom build stuff or do I do custom stuff? And the reason I don't is because I've, I've noticed a pitfall that happens to a couple of my friends. They start doing custom stuff and I get it. Who, who would want to fix somebody's, you know, guitar? If you can build a guitar, building a guitar is a much better experience for you personally when you're doing it. I like, I personally like taking something that somebody is having a problem with and it's, a, it's not, and, and making it better. There's a feeling I get when I love, you know, it happened to me actually at uh, TG or not TG at the, uh, the, the rock and 1000 event, uh, Henning had an issue with his guitar and I kind of, kind of do a quick setup for him in the hotel. And he was having an issue. We we're going to perform that day and he needed the guitar to be set up. And so I set it up. There's a feeling you get when somebody's like, Oh, it's, I can't. And then all of a sudden they're like, yes, this is it. I love that feeling. So, Uh, pedal pals in the house. Hey, what's up pedal pal guys? What's up? Hopefully I'll get to see you at winter Nam. How are we doing on time? We got about two or three more minutes. Oh, El Diablo mutt says, Phil, have you spoken about reverb's new tax policies and how it can impact the secondhand market? I did not know they had new tax policies. I haven't bought anything from reverb in a while um wow like at all um i just bought some stuff i had some guitar center gift card uh that i had to exhaust out you know what i mean so i bought some used gear from guitar center online and some stuff so i've been buying from them because i had this gift card i had to to kind of like you know wear down um and so i haven't really done anything plus 
I did a couple purchases between the Silver Sky and the AZ. That that just kind of killed the budget for a while. <laughs> so plus for all the traveling I did, I, I ended up needing a laptop and another camera because uh, they're killing these files that they have. Like we're just huge. 94 gig files was just nuts. So it was killing my old laptop. Um, so I haven't tried. I, you know what? I'm going to look into that. I'm curious. Maybe something we can talk about um, next live show. Ah, Thomas says, when's the video dropping for the red strat in the background? Um, you know what? Why don't we do that Monday? How's that? Would that make you, Thomas, is that going to work? It's done. It's been done for a while. It's just, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, so Monday, I will release it Monday. Um, I don't have to edit or anything. Uh, everybody seemed to like it when they saw it and, uh, it's different. It's another video you'll see. It's a little different than anything I've done before and the way I reviewed it and the way I looked at it. Um, and uh, it was kind of a different experience for me. So, so Thomas, it'll be on Monday. Uh, I'll schedule it when I'm doing the index later on this video. I'll, I'll make sure I go and schedule it on YouTube for Monday, um, since it'll be a good time to, to have that video come out. Uh, okay. What else? The last. Let's do a last question before we go. It's been an hour. Oh, okay. Shut up. Let's talk. Uh, thanks, buddy. He says, hey, Phil, uh, try a program called Handbrake. Reduces the file size for faster uploads to YouTube. Yeah, it's not to YouTube. It's what happens when you go to these events. What they do to make things easy is they set up rooms with cameras, but they use the guys that are really fanatical about doing camera work. So they always put in these like four 4K cameras at this like crazy frame rate and the files end up becoming huge for us kind of more i'm more of a you know i'm a guitar guy who does videos i'm not a video guy who does guitar stuff as you guys know seeing my videos I, I i find i try to put more and more effort into making better quality videos but i find that the more i do that sometimes everything else gets lost in the mix the videos end up start looking and feeling a little better but the part of me that's in there is gone because i can't I just can't hyper-focus on everything. It's just, you know, it's not what this is about. This is about us hanging out and talking about guitars. So I try to do, but yes, that's a good uh, suggestion. I will, I will Google and look that up. So, all right. Uh, ah, Melissa said, nice job on the Stu Mac upgrade kit video. Thank you again. I'm, I was pretty excited about that. Um, it was really cool. Like I said, it was different. It was a crazy thing. Like I said, when they asked me, when they first asked me, I thought, like I said, I was going to go there and, do something and they're like no we'd like you to send us the video and put it up on our site i'm like oh cool that's kind of cool different um paul says hey phil uh a few shows back you mentioned the harley benton 212 cabinet yep it's right there right there behind me which i bought it was so good i decided to buy another they have been out of stock for six weeks i guess you let the secret out yeah you know paul uh i'm not gonna lie man they told me we uh that video sold a bedillion <laughs> I don't know what the visual number is. I think they said we sold 60 like out the gate of those cabinets. Um, I know this. They were talking about, I, di I didn't want to know. I, I Actually, when they were telling me, I was like, I don't, I don't want to know. Because you know what's funny is they have affiliate links with Tolman. So like when I link you there, I get like a piece of the sale. Um, but there's no, there's no really reason for me to have an affiliate link with Tolman because, 
you know, they can't sell fenders and stuff. And I really try not to have too many connections. I try to limit the connections to companies. You know, like, I like to work with companies because I need them to survive in this environment. And I need to have relationships with them. But anyways, the long story short is I didn't, I didn't get anything from that. So, <laughs> so I'm happy everybody got one, but it was kind of like, I was like, wow, maybe I should really think about doing this stuff. But I kind of also like not having to you guys to worry about like my, what my motivation with the cabinet was. My motivation with the cabinet was you guys in that in that case. I really like it. I, I like our relationship to to be about the gear. So it was cool. You know, I like the cabinet. They let me keep the cabinet right there. And uh, so it uh, worked out for me. I got no complaints. And I agree with you. I, I Absolutely. Absolutely got nothing bad to say about that cabinet. So I'm just happy. So, you know, this is the last point we'll end on this because if one more company does this, which was not Harley Benton, which is good. You know, uh, one thing I really liked about Harley Benton, some of the, you guys that were, that were commenting in the video were making me nervous. They're like, Oh, they raised the price. They raised the price. And I would always go and check. And it wasn't that they were, you guys were looking at the four twelves. But what, what drives me nuts, and I'm getting getting to the point. So if you see it, it's going to happen now. I've decided now, because it's I'm talking to some of the YouTubers, they said they noticed the same thing with some companies. Sometimes when we do a video, okay, uh, on a product, they see a surge in sales right away, so they jack the price up. I've decided now my official policy on that is if, and this is just any company, because I know a lot of companies are watching now, companies watch all the time. If I do a video and you guys jack the price up from when I did the video, I'm just going to yank the video down immediately. So if you guys ever see that happen in the future, that's what it is. Um, you know what? It, it, I, it happened to me a couple times. I didn't really feel good about it. Um, it wasn't like they doubled the price, but you know, they add like 10% to the price or something. Cause they're noticing that we're going to, they're going to get a surge in sales. So just to let you guys know that happened, but that's not what happened with Harley Benton, which is I'm really happy. And I was, so what I'm saying is I'm happy that Tolman did the right thing, which is even though they sold out and they were got a backlog on them, they didn't mess with the price as far as they know. If they did, you let me know and we'll have a talk. So on that note, I'll let you guys go next week. I don't know what the live show is going to be back about because I'm going to be in Nashville. But uh, I promise you, if you notice in the place of these live shows, I've been putting out more content. And so I will continue to put out more content uh, whenever we can. You know, uh, I'm trying to up the content. If you guys notice, it's one thing about uh, lately is I'm, I'm trying to get the three, four videos a week. You guys seem to be responding to it. Well, I really enjoy making it. So I think it's kind of working out. Uh, and uh, wow, there's over 600 of you. And this is, I didn't even make the announcement. That was awesome. Uh, thank you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, Matt's agreeing with my policy. F companies are. And so you guys know a bunch of the YouTubers I was talking to all said the same thing. They agreed that we'd all do that from now on. That any companies that start doing that, um, especially Amazon companies tend to like to play that game. But you get the idea. So uh, on that note, I'm going to let you guys go. And, uh, and I will talk to you soon, but of course I'm going to do a quick shout out for the, uh, live support crew because they, they, uh, they support the channel and they support the live show specifically. And that's uh, Jeff Howe, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce in the saltwater whiskey band, Hannah Gunston, John Jex, Michael Shy, Justin Mabe, Passy Pokini, Alzdar McLeod, Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Quackenbush, Brian Stewart, Bruce Collins, Chuck Keen, Chief Squatch, Chris at the guitar pit. Chris from New Mexico, Craig Parker, Dennis Prescott, Derek Miller, Aaron Kimmicker, Gary Phillips, Gene Graham, Greg Peterson, James Biles, John Russell, Jonathan Pickering, 
Jonathan Pickering. Sorry, Jonathan. Uh, Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry Colkin, Lawrence Petros, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lindner, Michael Mooney, Muse guitarist, Paul Eistrike, Lewis and Alvaro from Pedal Power Effects, who were on the show earlier today too, talking in the comments. Sam Oram, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. By the way, some of you guys not only supported the channel, I know you had super chats today too. That was really crazy, you guys. Thank you. And uh, until next time, thank you guys so much for your time and uh, know your gear. Have a good week.